So, live from someplace in, I'll start this over. I'm going to turn my sound off. There we go. There we go. Live from someplace in, I don't know, in a truck stop in my motorhome. On my way to Washington for the Tour Tech West Rally. I am Jimmy Lewis. This is Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Today, we could talk about the KTM 790 because I actually have the spec sheet in front of me that uh, I don't really read those a whole lot until I actually go and write the test. Um, and there was a few other questions that popped up that I'm going to sort uh, sort out, but we'll see how that goes because I don't have a whole lot of connectivity here. I'm running straight off of uh, whatever I'm at, you know, truck stops, right? <laughs> so everything, everything, uh, everything changes. I will scroll over to this other page here and figure out how to get the other questions back from earlier today. Um, this and like this. And then I'll see how that works. Um, yeah, this is a home away from home. <laughs> it's uh, uh, during the summer months because it's a little bit too hot to be riding down in Pahrump. I tend to hit the road and uh, go on tour. I wasn't necessarily going to try to pull this off tonight, but, uh, you know, you got to try somehow or another. Um, and I'm going to get down to that post that I can't get to yet. So um, I remember some of the questions. Uh, yeah, Red Bull podium hat. Uh, you got to look at it a little bit close there, Mitch. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Chris Smith has a question. What is the, uh, difference between the pre-production 790 and the one that I wrote? Uh, that's a good question. I will get into that a little bit, uh, later when I start talking about the, the stuff, but essentially the one I wrote was, um, very similar, if not, uh, completely the same. And I just didn't think that that bike was for a number of reasons, but after riding the stock one, um, I'm absolutely positive that it is. So, or it was, it was close. It was close as a pre-production um, is. And there's a, see, we rode both the 790 Adventure R and the um, standard 790 Adventure S. And then we had a second 790 uh, Adventure R along with us that belonged to um, Chris Parker from Rottweiler Performance. Uh, he uh, got his to develop parts and stuff on and he had it had it out so we kind of had another one to compare stuff to and then we were able to bounce back and forth and talk about kind of the different um you know what especially between the r and the s you know what the differences were so i'll just dive right into it um so basically it's a really good bike um it's kind of what we expected in that um you know, it's so it's eight, 790, it's 800 cc range. Um, it's got uh, it's it's like a smaller adventure bike, and the trend lately has been going, or I think it's switched now. But for a while, it was just going bigger, better, more powerful, more powerful, more powerful, and everybody kind of forgot about hey, people really want to ride these things off road. Now there are plenty of people that are taking their 1290s and riding them around off road. Um, the kind of the 1190 if you 
think about the kind of the where KTM is positioned and how they did stuff. They started with, um, you know, 950 and 990, and that was modeled after the factory Dakar rally bike. Uh, it's as far as an adventure bike goes, it's about as close to a real rally bike as you would ever get. Um, but it wasn't like the factory rally bike. I had ridden that bike as well. So I, I was, I was aware that there were quite a bit of differences, especially in the chassis and the, and the suspension side of things. And then they went from, so they went 950, they went to 990, went 990, came fuel injection, and that had a little bit of a run. Then they introduced the, 1190 which was kind of strange for in ktm world because with their their mantra ready to race um everything had been based off in some way shape or form of a race bike and around that time they started building bikes that were didn't necessarily have a racing heritage um these motors didn't come out of really race bikes so uh that was a little bit of a departure and then they were focusing more on okay what is you know what is an adventure bike is this something that people want to tour around the world on or go on long distance rides so they focused a little bit more on comfort um but they kept kind of the ktm edge which was you know let's make it aggressive and so when you compared it bikes like bmws um it was always had a little bit of a harder edge um definitely um the BMW has its own kind of character. It's, it's different, but the KTM has a character that, that did kind of speak to someone that has a racing background or you, you feel like a, a little bit of a race bike. The next itineration was to, to break the 1190 into um, 1090 and 1290. And all of a sudden now there's a, a departure, although both of those bikes on the, on the, on the, aggressive side both got better at, at being off-road bikes they went back to having a actual true pds shock and then with the with the sh- the shock being better the the what you could do with it off-road um it kind of got a lot better but there was still all the people that were saying well hey my my 950 or my 990 is a better off-road package and that's kind of debatable. I still have a 950, so I'm, I'm fond of that bike. Mine's one of the very early ones. One of the, it's actually the first one that came into the States. And it's back then it was called the S, which meant it was the long travel one, which is backwards of the way things are now. So um, they, they, act, they act different. And, and when you're riding the old 950, it actually somehow it, it looks smaller, like in a certain way. It's not as wide up top. It seems like it's a little narrower kind of up top, but then it's, I don't know, it's, it's kind of all about the shapes and everything. I feel like that bike was a little more nimble than for sure the 1190 and definitely the 1290, but then the 1090 was in between there. So it was time to make something smaller and that's what they did. Um, they've always had the 690. I, I've, I've never personally been a fan of that because I always thought that bike was a little kind of confused at, um, what its purpose was, you know, street going single, it has a really good motor suspension. The chassis looks kind of like the rally bike chassis, but it sure doesn't have the rally bike type suspension on it. All the weights up high and in the back. So for me, I never really um, got along with that particular bike. And then, so now 790 is back in the twin cylinder range. So you have that nice smooth twin cylinder pull and character and, uh, you know, the ability of, um, 
you know, the bike to put out more torque, um, a smoother, a smoother torque, especially at low RPMs. And then, and then have the ability to rev and make a lot of power. And obviously this bike does that. It, it actually accomplishes is on both ends. Um, and when you compare it to its normal, what, what you'd say it's, um, probably it's normal competition. Uh, that would be probably the BMW 800 or 850 now. And the KTM actually starts out smoother. Um, doesn't want to, uh, it doesn't want to rev up so quickly right off the bottom. It actually, when it, when it builds, it builds and doesn't want to spin. And then, as, as the power goes up, it just, it, it's so, it's so buttery smooth and doesn't vibrate and didn't do anything for the first, I mean, as far as, as far as anything crazy, you're building power from, you know, about the 2000 RPM where you would really torque it down to all the way up to 4,000, 4,500. And then it starts to ramp up and it gets very, very progressive, very quick, um, with the power all the way up to. Um, I think, I don't know where the rev cut exactly was because the whole screen kind of blanks and, 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 and flashes at you and stuff, but it's, it's 9,000, 9, um, 10, who knows. But, um, by that time that thing's making a lot of power, it feels like it's making more power. Frankly, it feels like it's making as much power as the 1090, definitely more power than the 950 or the 990 was. And, uh, and it's too much for the rear tire to handle. Let's put it that way. It's, it's going to be spinning. Like even on the street, it feels like when you really get it revved up and you're at peak RPM, it feels like it really wants to spin the tire when it has a, you know, a knobby type tire on the bike. So power wise, they've done really good. It's a cable activated clutch, which is also kind of a departure for KTM. Um, and we really didn't have any complaints with that. In fact, it had almost had to be pointed out to me. I mean, I knew it was a cable activated clutch. I looked at it. I'm like, it just something seemed funny up there looking at a, at a cable adjuster. Um, maybe not the absolute precision uh, that the hydraulic clutch typically has, but I didn't have any problems with it. Um, and over the course of the day, you know, we stalled a couple times when we were turning around and doing photo shoots and things like that, but nothing out of the ordinary, nothing to draw attention to it. And if you were just doing normal adventure riding, which other than doing the photos, that's what we were doing. It was fine. Transmission ratio seems like they're spot on. They nailed it. Um, I didn't feel the need to want to gear up or down, even for doing really slow technical stuff. And that a lot of times can be a problem. Um, uh, for, you know, adventure bikes, usually first gear tends to be a little bit tall. I didn't, I didn't see that. And, uh, so engine package really good. And the other thing that's cool about that bike is it doesn't seem like it gains that much weight when the RPMs, uh, come up. Um, sometimes like, I know that's definitely the case with the BMW 800 and I don't know the 850 that well, but that bike it's got a good motor. It makes good power, not very good for really technical stuff. But when you start revving that motor, that bike becomes very heavy. Some people like that because that lends to stability. Uh, but when you're talking about handling and maneuverability, um, the, I noticed that this bike, when you're kind of like sliding it, we were goofing around sliding the bike around turns and it still stayed very nimble and agile. So moving on to kind of the, the handling, um, yeah, and of course, someone goes straight to what's the top speed. <laughs> we, 
we had no place to find the top speed. We weren't near any dry lake beds or anything like that, but it, I definitely got it up to hundred miles an hour, um, someplace on some road. Uh, so it, and it, it pulled right up to that. I mean, it was, it was still, it was still accelerating. So, um, let me go back. I'm going to scroll down here to the other questions here. I found it right here. Good. So, um, wow. Somebody loaded it. Eric Hall loaded us up with plenty of, uh, questions. So let's do the 20 comments here. Show me the 20 comments. I love Facebook. You are make my life easy. Okay, here we go. Uh, so anyways, on to the, uh, the chassis and the handling. Uh, it's, it's a compact bike. Um, you know, they've, they've, it's like they've done a really good job of putting the weight down as low as possible while still keeping really good ground clearance. Um, the seat height feels really low, especially on the standard version. Um, the, the, the S version was like, it's got a really low seat. We actually put it in the higher position and, um, the, uh, the, the, the different, one of the differences between the two bikes is the, the R has a, has a single seat, uh, that also has it, it did have two positions. I think we raised that thing up as well. Yes, we did. Um, I don't like low seats on adventure bikes because my legs get folded up. So um, the 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 whole thing actually made it so that the the chassis was you know quite you know quite compact. Uh, it had the standard pegs on it, which I would prefer a little bit wider pegs, but you can put the uh, uh, rally pegs or wider pegs on it, which would, which would make the bike even more nimble, I'm sure. And then, um, uh, the, the top triple clamp is also adjustable. Ours was in the standard position and I didn't, um, didn't really feel the need to move it on the standard one on the S it seemed like our bars might've been rolled back. And, and just with that seat being lower and everything, it felt just a tad bit cramped, especially when you were standing. Um, so, uh, it's it but it feels really small and the biggest thing it's like it feels a hundred pounds lighter i rode my 1090 the other day when i got home i went and rode my 1090 around just to check because i'm like going oh, it feels way lighter than 1090 it definitely feels lighter than the 1090 and i do some stuff to my 1090 to make it act lighter like the smaller rims and 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 slightly smaller tires um so i was pretty impressed with the with the weight feel difference and, you know, you can feel the power difference, especially kind of like, you know, the, the tug kind of at the bottom, the torque at the bottom. You know, you got to use a little bit more of RPM with the 790, but it's not enough to bother you. And, you know, so it stays uh, pretty, pretty light. And then um, I didn't notice any instability when we were riding it and when i rode the earlier bike the the pre-production one um that was one of the things that kind of we had some really fast high speed roads that had not i wouldn't call them poops in them but they were there were some bumps there were like a series of, of kind of quick bumps that you on a normal adventure bike you would slow down for and on this bike right away it's confidence inspiring enough where you didn't feel the need to slow down but if you were if you were kind of kind of accelerating across them lightly, the front end had a tendency to dance, and it was more the rider input just kind of showing that you were a little bit out of balance, causing the front wheel to dance, and that led me on to the next thing that we 
talking about. But this whole ride we did the other day, last week, um, I never noticed it being unstable one bit. Um, but the very first time I rode the pre-production bike, and also right away when we rode away on this bike, I noticed that the suspension is initially very, very stiff. Um, it's so stiff <laughs> that when I rode it the first time, because the first time I didn't ride 10 miles of pavement to get to the dirt, we just took off, went out of where we parked and we were on a, on a washboardy dirt road. And that bike is dancing, you know, dancing around. And it's like, it was like riding a motocross bike off road that stiff. And I said, uh, right away, is this the way it's going to come? And yes, that's the way it comes. And then they were like, eh, maybe, you know, maybe this one's set up differently. Maybe this one, you know, is a pre-production or something. So maybe it's, it's different. We've checked the clickers. Everything was good. That's how stiff it was. And what I was doing on that particular bike was helping develop the WP um, kit suspension that is an option for this bike through the hard parts catalog. And generally when you're on an adventure bike and you're going to develop something that's going to be quote race spec or high end, you're working on, especially on an adventure bike, you're working on bottoming resistance and, you know, stiffening it up. Not on this bike, <laughs> not, not one bit. In fact, so right away when I got it, I said, is this normal? And then went out and started riding it. Then I started riding it hard enough to try to bottom it out because I wanted to find out where the limit was. So I was doing little jumps, hitting ditches bumping into things that I shouldn't be bumping into to the level that, okay, I'm going to bend the rims if I hit anything harder. And I still get, didn't get the bike to, to bottom out. So right away he came back and said, well, that's something that you don't have to improve. <laughs> it's, it's, we need to work on an initial plushness and initial bump compliance. So that's pretty much what we spent our time working on. Uh, and they were always kind of scared to make it a little bit softer because of um, when, when you start making things softer, they get wallowy, the bike starts feeling heavier, and then you start getting, you can actually add instability. You get some yaw on the bike. So when you accelerate, it kind of gets light. And usually when they rock back, they tend to, they tend to, you know, get more stable cause they get low, but sometimes on a heavier bike, it causes the front end to deflect a little bit. And then when you go to decelerate, if it's soft, same thing, front end goes down. And so, but we didn't really have um, too much of a problem with that. We kind of kept it on the, on the stiffer side. We didn't go to like adventure spec in the whole thing, but that's what we were playing with most of the time. That's what all the, 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 you know, the testing and tuning was to try to get that kind of proper, you know, ride. And that stuff was a little bit taller also. Um, they actually, they had us, I'm pretty sure we rode on a stock height set and then a, and then a uh, taller, slightly, um, taller set and so the whole thing was to try to keep the the chassis behaving properly um and it, when i left it and i'm not sure if that's the spec that they will be selling it with but i was really really happy with it you got some of that you didn't feel the ground so much like you do on the stock bike and the best way the other way to describe it is if you ever ridden a sport bike like a, a tracks, you know, a, a sport bike that's kind of set up with an emphasis for track and you're riding on the pavement and you hit, you know, like potholes and, you know, little rimple, ripples in the pavement, you feel it. It's uncomfortable. That That's not where that bike was really, quote, designed to be ridden, even though that's where it's ridden. This is kind of the same thing on road. You're feeling the road quite a bit. Like when you hit on most bikes, if you hit like the bot dots so or the rumple strips and stuff on an adventure bike, it takes eh, 30 
percent of that feeling out and this bike takes none of it out <laughs> stock so that's the that's the setup um and that's where uh where um the bike kind of sits but overall you're not going to have to you're not going to have to stiff you're not going to have to stiffen it up um that's for sure uh you are probably going to want to um uh break it in oh i got two of the same thing i wanted one i wanted the spec sheet for the uh the standard bike but i ended up with the one for the the r so um and those forks are basically so so the differences between the bikes um the, probably the biggest is the suspension and so the suspension on the on the r is the um they call it the WP Explorer uh, fork, and they call it an apex shock. And so, um, and they call it balancing typical KTM performance with all-day riding comfort. I'm going to say the all-day riding comfort is would not be <laughs> high on the list, although it's not it's not bad at all. Um, okay, do, I do have the I do have the thing. So, what do they call? What do they call in the Oh no, that's the, so the apex shock. Okay. The apex shock is on the standard one. I got it here. I got to get it right. got to do more prep. I got to quit driving all day. Um, explore fork. And then what do they call the fork on this one? They call it an apex open cartridge front fork. And it's, it's interesting because the triple clamp up top is the same. And then the fork on the, on the, on the standard bike tapers down quite a bit. So it's a smaller fork and, Really, it, it's it's probably thirty percent more bump compliant, but it had seventy percent of the bottoming resistance. So even the standard bike has that character where it's a pretty aggressive setting, and it it really resisted bottoming well. I mean, I got that one to bottom, but it took a lot. I wouldn't have hit anything that I wouldn't have hit. I wouldn't have bounced my ten ninety into stuff that I was running the standard one into and expecting a, a good result. So. Um, on that side, that's probably the biggest change. The seat height gets lower because the suspension's a little bit lower. It has a different seat. Um, the engines are identical between the two bikes. The 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 R comes with the rally um, setting preset into it, so you don't. But you can upgrade your standard into um, having that that rally mode in it if you like. So. Um, that you can make the motors basically identical and then tires are different. And that was huge. Anybody who doesn't know, um, the, the tire that, you know, me and tires, it's like, that's the only thing that's connecting you to the ground. That's where you're getting your traction and they're fine when everything's going great. But the, the more round tires, they were better on the street. You could lay it over in a turn and really carve around a turn. But, um, even the, the, um, the Metzler, uh, the Master Crew Threes, which probably it's it's not one of my top three favorite tires on the adventure bike, but it does have an open block, and you could feel that tire kind of catching and saving you when you started, you know, when stuff started going wrong when you were when you were sliding it around. So tires are different, and I think that's that's the really on the on the big side of thing. That's it. It's mostly it ends up mostly being the suspension. I was really surprised at how the standard how capable the standard bike was. And especially if you're a smaller, smaller, lower, shorter legged person, um, you're going to appreciate the lower uh, seat on that um, uh, for sure. So, okay. 
let's see if I, I was going to see if there's anything else that pops out on my um, thing here. But the wheel sizes are the same. Uh, it's got about an inch, a little less than an inch less ground clearance on the on the on the um, standard one. And the seat height ends up being so the seat is adjustable, basically almost an inch in height. And it says that the 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 it says that the R does not have a um, adjustable seat, so maybe we didn't adjust it up. Maybe we're only adjusted on the small one. Um, the tank is about five point three gallons, and we're averaging fifty miles of the gallon being dumb, like spinning tires and and pushing it. So that right there is giving you some pretty good range, and the weight that they're claiming is four hundred and sixteen pounds. Um. It's a dry weight, and so that means wet. It's about 460 pounds. We know because uh, Chris over at Rottweiler put his on the scale, and uh, that's actually not too bad. Um, but it does not feel that heavy, and that's for sure. So moving over to the other questions that I have. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to go to Eric Hall's question because there's like six questions. Um, cable clutch thoughts talked about it earlier. Um, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Uh, right side peg mounted on a bar bolted to the frame and then through the engine shouldn't be an issue. Um, no worse than what BMW has been doing, um, for all those years and all the other manufacturers. They're just trying to figure out a way to make the bike thin and bolt things on so they can put that motor in and out of the chassis, uh, during assembly is, is why that stuff is like that. But I don't think that it's going to be. Uh, too much of an issue. I've, you know, doing stupid stuff. I've ripped the foot pegs out of my 1090 and my 1190 uh, a few times. So um, usually for photo shoots and not normal riding. So and also bolt failures on aftermarket products. Uh, let's see. Airbox, good location. Yes, by the way. So the airbox is underneath the seat, not tucked underneath the gas tank. I didn't open it up, but I took a look at it and saw it. It looks like it's real easy to get there. And they do make a, it comes with a paper filter and KTM makes an accessory uh, foam air filter for people that are going to be riding in the dirt. Um, rear inner fender an issue for mud. I wouldn't know because we didn't ride in the mud. But um, anytime you're dealing with you know, low fenders, uh, that's an issue for mud, <laughs> period. Uh, with suspension better than expected. Yes, absolutely. 100% other than the initial bump compliance. Um, I'm pretty sure that something that the suspension tuners will be able to figure out how to, uh, tune, um, quite easily. Uh, but, um, I don't know, you know, everything's going that direction. Even like the new EXCs are, are stiffer. And if you wrote a EXC from 2011, compared it or 12, you know, which is a, still a newer version and compared it to the, the, the 19s, you're going to go, man, that 19 is stiff. So I think it's just people are getting comfortable with that. Um, so, uh, and we, I, I clicked, I clicked on the forks to see if it made much of a difference, but to me, it feels like it's kind of a heavy spring. And, and the initial valving, it didn't get, it didn't get better, even stiffening it up. So lightening it up and stiffening it up, it didn't seem to get uh, much better. You know, maybe if the, if got a little bit of air in the fork, it might 
pulled it up and get it a little bit springier. I don't know. Or maybe you could take, you know, we, we did open the air up and bleed the air out and that didn't change it either. So, and there wasn't much air in there. So, um, which tires would you prefer to put on after the KU threes? I would prefer, and I'm putting asterisks here because, I, but I would prefer, uh, the Kenda big blocks. Um, especially, especially since we're talking about that chassis and suspension stiffness, because that's where that tire is amazing is in the bump compliance. That, um, a TKC80 uh, would be a good choice. And then the Michelin Anarchy Wild <clears throat> 3 is also, those are my three go-to um, real adventure bike tires. All the other ones that have funny names and they last for lots of miles are, frankly, I haven't ridden one that I would put on my own bike because they all have a very fatal flaw in one shape, way, form, or the other. So, um, hopefully Eric, I answered all of those questions for you. Let's see. Um, and I think about, are there any other questions on 790? I'm going to roll back through my, uh, through the live feed questions and, and check those too. But Chuck Fall, I messaged the page directly, so I'm not sure if my question will come through, but here it is again. I'm an amateur to expert desert racer. And as of last Friday, I own a 790R, which I would take on the Idaho BDR in August. Perfect. The BDRs are designed for you and your adventure bike. <laughs> How do I know why we're going here? I didn't even have to read the results. How much of the tour? <laughs> I'm just laughing. Sorry, I knocked my camera, my other camera over. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, <laughs> How much of the tour of Idaho would the 790 do with a competent rider on board? <laughs> How much do you want to suffer? Um, I don't know. I haven't ridden the tour this year. Um, if you did it the year I would, would have done it. Um, <laughs> when would you stop having fun? I don't know. It'd be good for the first 30 miles of dirt roads. Then when you get on the single track trails and that bike, I, I said this before, I didn't, we didn't ride any single. We were going to go do single track. We just ran out of time. We only had it for a day and I was going to go do single track because I did some single track out in the desert, which is a little bit different because I didn't have cliffs and stuff on there in the desert. When you get on a single track, generally you can kind of turn around and get off the map, get off, you know, turn around and go back out. We're on the side of a mountain. If you're turning a 480 pound bike around on the mountain and that's unloaded, you're in for a world of hurt. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't know how far you could go on the tour of Idaho. I wouldn't do it. Just plain and simple. I wouldn't do it. But and it's, I know someplace else I saw a question. Somebody said, can you blitz hoops? Um, better than any other adventure bike. You can go across hoops. Um pretty well and you can actually you know because the suspension's stiff enough to handle it. it it makes a little bit of clanking noises and stuff but it's not bottoming out it's just like all the plastic pieces and things that are you know there's a lot of stuff up in that headlight shell and then things flex and move but it it it's it's good as long as everything's going straight and you're fine the minute 460 pounds decides to go a way that you don't want it, it's a battle you are going to lose, period. So I don't care, you know, how good it goes through. I mean, I, I, I had the same battle with my rally bike, my factory BMW rally bike. It was built for me. It had Jimmy Lewis suspension and everything was for Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. And it was the best rally bike that it could possibly be. I still had to be careful with it because of what it weighed. You can't get around that. Um, so it's amazing what it does. And so anytime you ask yourself a question, if you're 
a guy like my buddy Radic, who rides his nine nine fifty and and even his twelve ninety like it's a mini bike because he's a giant and he can pivot turn that thing on a mountain single track trail, then you can do that kind of stuff. But still, Radic still doesn't weigh three hundred and sixty pounds, so it becomes a fair fight with him and his four hundred and eighty pound adventure bike. Okay, uh, <laughs> Chuck, be careful. <laughs> I know you're going to try it, right, um, Steve? I'm curious about the throttle by wire. Uh, excellent question. I'm curious about the throttle by wire system and its overall feel compared feel compared to a regular cable. This is something that I've struggled with on the KTM since they went to the fly by wire, because they did something that disconnected my wrist to the butterfly valve, especially right off of idle, and and it's for emissions. It's so when you turn, um. When you turn that throttle, when you crack that throttle, I guarantee you that, that they don't want it to open up quickly and dump a bunch of gas in there because it'll get dirty. So they make it open up slowly no matter what you do with your wrist. I mean, it'll still open up, but it just that very first modulation, it's not what my wrist is doing. I don't feel that so much on the 790. And their adjustable mode in the rally mode where you can adjust the traction control is phenomenal. I usually turn that stuff off. Always, because I want when I want it to spin, I want it to spin. And this, it's a it's a one through nine setting or zero through nine, I think it was, or no one through nine, and it does such a good job. You just, it's like dial a spin. You know, you want more spinning. You know, go up to a higher higher number to where you get to nine, and it's almost like it's completely off, but it still catches you um, when you're doing something stupid, let's say. And it's tied into lean angle sensor, so when you're out of balance is when you don't have very good traction unity. So you're out of balance. And um, we didn't really have any place where, you know, like loamy berms where you could put it in loamy berms. And that's where this kind of stuff shows it's, it's when things are really good is when you start feeling the downfalls of some of these traction control things. But we're on loose. We're on very typical adventure riding stuff, loose, slippery, um, grainy, uh, DG and stuff and it was it was really good and you wanted more or less you just pushed a button on the uh, on the computer controller and it was easy so um i think the i think they're getting better it, it was new a few years ago for them and they're starting to learn how to make it better and tie it all in because the idea is if you have your cable connected to your butterfly valve it's hard for the computer to modulate the butterfly valve if you start doing something wrong or vice versa. You know, they usually have to go resort to rev cut or fuel cut or do something like that to work into the traction control. Now they can take the butterfly valve away from you and make it get traction, essentially. So uh, definitely getting better. Um, Peter said, I emailed you questions about suspension that he could cover here. Uh emailed me uh <laughs> i'm driving i haven't checked my email today um it was that the I, I saw somebody asked me if where to get their suspension done in idaho uh i don't know i'm here I, i'll go check for you i'll run down the street and see if i can find a suspension guy but um go to somebody you um talk to other riders in your area see if they have um uh, a good connection. Uh, if they know somebody, uh, I don't particularly know anybody out here specifically. I send all my stuff to George over DSP suspension, uh, in California because I've worked with them for years and we speak the same language and he does exactly what I want or tells me I'm an idiot. 
<laughs> for riding KTMs. <laughs> Thanks, George. Uh, let's see. Oh, dirt bike news. Canada. Official off-road news. Um, the Electric Start Yamaha. Okay, it's it's an accessory kit. Is they just basically copied what the the beta and the older KTM's had? They're going to spin a gear on a flywheel and give you electric start. It's probably I, I, I think I read quickly on there. Um, I didn't actually see what the cost was going to be, but uh, that's awesome. Yamaha needs to do that. But um, why change a bike that sells so well and works so good and it's it's doing it's doing great. So. Um, yeah, it's it's real, but it's. I thought that was another clickbait story, but because Yamaha released all their information and there was no electric start in there, um, so uh, yeah, electric start Yamaha's. How was the landing? Um, dual sport grandpas. Oh, you're talking about the picture I put up on the Facebook page for this thing. The landing was buttery. Yeah, you can ask the photographer. Um, there's actually uh, if you go to the Rottweiler performance page and you can search through there. Uh, Chris was actually filming. He was doing a Facebook live the whole time. I was kind of getting set up to do that. And what you can't see in that video is where I was landing. I was landing in a slot that was about, eh, I'll give it, I'll give it 24 inches wide. Um, because it was big giant rain ruts on both sides of the tabletops. And there was one rain rut where I had to kind of jump and turn a little bit. And then I landed and I couldn't slow down. I had to jump the next tabletop after it. And then the rain was off to the other side, so I had to kind of switch lines. It was almost like when you see in the motocross races where they're jumping and landing in ruts, but I could not land this bike in that rut because it would have caught and then a flip. It wasn't those kind of ruts. These are big rain ruts. So it was actually a sketchy landing, but I was, you know, when I do stuff like that on an adventure bike, it's very planned out and calculated. And so I took about five or six little practice runs where I just kind of tested the, you know, feel to see where it, um, where it went. Oh, um, that, that shifts on the fly thing. Uh, I got to remember that question. Um, but, but the landing was just fine. And when I was and actually, when I was going back and forth, when I was going back, I was jumping down off of the steep side and landing on the flat. And every time I was pushing a little bit farther to see if I could get that bike to bottom doing something kind of stupid. And I was at the point where I didn't want to bend the rims. I was told, Jimmy, don't bend the rims. <laughs> that's what KTM tells me when I take the bike out because I'll put, I'll actually try to push it hard enough to do that kind of stuff. Um, so no, no, the, the landing was smooth. Um, uh, James just asked about the traction control. There's another thing on the, in there. That's a, it's a shift. It's a, a shift assist or I don't know what they, but it's just, you just touch the shifter and it's amazing. It's better than some of the accessory ones I've ridden that have the, the rev cut and everything like that. You just touch the the shifter, and it's it's like a buttery smooth shift. You don't have to touch the clutch, so maybe that's why they don't have an hydraulic clutch on it. Um, so uh, that's it. Clearly Photoshop, yeah, that right, Bob. Um, okay, so I'm done with those questions. Now I'm going to go back to the video here, and I'm going to scroll down and find your things. Hey Tex, how's it going? Haven't seen you for a while. I need to talk to you about some lights. Uh, let's see, rolling through the thing. Uh, that's where I found my sound. Let's see. Uh, so Chris, hopefully I talked to you, uh, got you about the difference between the pre-production. I thought the pre-production bike I rode, I thought the suspension on it was not stock. And I didn't think there was any way that they would sell a bike that was that stiff initially. Well, they did. 
that was the that was the uh, the biggest difference. And then there was some stuff that was loose and rattling around because uh, they um, did that. Let's see. Uh, well, I have cold ones. Go for it. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, I can't have cold ones. I gotta get in. I gotta get behind the driver's seat right here and go drive another. 462 miles or something like that so um let's see is it worth giving up a 990s uh yes i think so i mean it's just it's just the next evolution i mean if you're really in love with your 990 um the 790 does everything better except for bump compliance on the suspension on the small bumps but everything else it does better to a level that's 20 years better um drain the carb uh let's see what well, i don't know what that question was clutch cable is very interesting for ktm let's see what was the top speed i don't know um facebook is garbage yes i agree uh, which one or two of your bikes will this bike replace uh you know what I loaded in the back of my motorhome and I have with me right now? My my uh, BMW 1150. <laughs> Maybe I'll sell it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what, but would it replace that? No, it's a completely different kind of motorcycle. Uh, I, I think this is... I, it wouldn't replace anything in my in my garage. Maybe my stand, I would get rid of my standard 1190 first i think i already did that. i think my father-in-law owns that one already so or maybe he doesn't but he has it right now so that would be the one it would replace uh let's see um great trucks trucks truck stop tech talk taco tuesday yeah except i don't have tacos i don't have tequila the only thing it is is tuesday and i'm in a truck um when you blitz the hoops does your luggage still pass you well, depends on what kind of luggage you have. Um, there was no luggage bolted on that bike. If it was the standard KTM stuff that's been coming on some of the bikes before, the ones with those plastic uh, the clips and attachments, yeah, it, would, it wouldn't have been on the bike for very long. They never do stay on there. Um, I always go with the – so either – lately I've been a big fan of the soft bags, some of the soft bags that strap on there. And then and then when I go with hard bags, I'll go with the TourTech setup because just far and away they're they're – They've done a really good job at designing stuff that's durable and, and lasts and doesn't come undone, except for the tops. And the only time the tops come undone is when I don't latch them properly. And then they actually make recovery straps for the top. So when they flop, they, they dangle around, and but I forget to attach them, and then they're and gone. So my fault. Um, let's see. I answered Chuck's question, hopefully. Oh, 790 traction control shifts on the fly smoothly. Yes, answered that one. Radic is 990. Uh, yes, Radic is, he, Radic tries to get me to go riding with him on big bikes and I just don't do it because I'm not that good or strong. Let's see. Traction control. Can you split, uh, switch it on the fly? Can you make it, uh, can you feel it switch on the seat? Okay. So track, can you turn it on and off on the fly? The traction control, you can actually adjust it on the fly. I know that for sure. Um, I'm trying to think if I was able to, I know the ABS, you have to be stopped to get it to turn on and off. And in rally mode, it remembers, it remembers you have ABS on, but if you go to full off ABS, if I remember correctly, 
it went back to off-road ABS, meaning the rear wheel, you could lock it up, but the front always had ABS. Uh, I don't know. Um, let's see. But can you feel it? Um, yeah, you, you feel the traction control working. Absolutely. I mean, when you, especially when you have it on the, um, I just kicked my camera again. When you have it on the, uh, there we go, battery. Um, when you have it on the, uh, on the, on the, you know, level one, two, three, uh, and I, and I now I'm now I'm completely doubting myself whether or not it was like one, two, three or seven, eight, nine, wherever it's more active, you really feel it. I mean, in a good way. Uh, but if you're, if you're standing straight up and, and balanced, you know, and the bike is, is level and you get on the gas hard, you have to spin it quite a bit before it, it you really notice it doing stuff. If you're leaned over and you're sideways and you and you gas it, you can almost just hold the throttle on and, and stand the bike up and then feel it accelerate away. So um, in that um, mode, yeah, you can definitely uh, get a feel for it. So let's see. I think that's it for most of the questions. Um, anybody have any other ones? I have to wait. There's a little bit of a delay, isn't there? <laughs> so uh did i have any other any other stuff i know i know what i need to tell you you want to know how you can keep uh tech talk talk taco tuesday coming at you um when you are uh, on our website and you're looking at one of the stories that's in fresh dirt um check out our advertisers that are over there on the sidebar and also down at the bottom of most of our stories there's a link that will send you through Amazon. And so we're an Amazon affiliate. If you shop through that, click on through that, buy something through there, we get a little chunk that puts a little bit of money in the coffers. And hopefully um, we can keep doing this because uh, that money isn't really, <laughs> it's, it's buying a, uh, hopefully it'll buy a switchboard so that we can take phone calls. What do you think about that? Um, and uh yeah, Tenere 700 uh, is coming. I haven't ridden it. I don't know anything about it. It's going to be a tough one for, I mean, if anybody can do it, I think Yamaha can do it um, as far as making something that will compete with this thing. So, um, oh, Mark, you bought the tire gauge. Yeah, I actually, somebody asked me where to get one of those the other day. I was actually using it, and somebody said, I go, ah, you got to go to dirt bike test and figure it out. So, um, yeah, we actually put the link on, on a lot of our stories, like a lot of the old Tech Talk Taco Tuesdays. If you scroll down there, um, that helps us kind of keep this stuff going. We don't have a whole lot of advertising going on right now. It's something until we can guarantee that we're going to produce on this end. I'm not going to go out and, and shop around and promise people stuff that I can't deliver. Um, it's At the moment, it's, it's me and a, half of another guy, basically, maybe sometimes putting up stories, you know, and by half between me and Trevor and Scott, that's kind of, that's, that's about it lately. So, um, I would like to make this more of a full-time gig. I'm turning down intros left and right. I mean, we could be riding brand new 2020 motocross bikes right now, but, uh, um, yeah, that's, uh, not happening. So I'm actually going up to make a living by, you know, doing schools up at the tour tech rally. So, um, yeah, support dirt bike test really at this point in our life. Um, you can just tell more people about it because our numbers are, they're strong. I mean, the amount of live engagement we get here on, on the Facebook video is good, but you know, the overall things, when they start looking at how many people, you know, the 300, 400 people that are looking at it on YouTube, 
that's not enough to bend an advertiser's you know head or ear or get them to open their wallet um, because they probably already ta already talked to you in some other channels or mediums. We've got to grow those numbers. So share this stuff with your friends. Let them know that we're out here uh, trying to do this. Like I say, if it grows, then we can do something about it. Uh, I need interns. So send me kids that have nothing to do during the summer that want to ride dirt bikes and learn how to edit video and shoot video and produce podcasts and somebody that can work on the back end of a website that understands WordPress and that kind of stuff. So that's what we need help with. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm glad it was spot on. Mine was spot on too. That's the way those things are supposed to be. And the best thing about like something you buy on Amazon, just send it back. It doesn't, doesn't work. So, okay. Um, I am going to, I think I'm going to start wrapping this up. I'm trying to remember if there's any other questions. Like I said, poor show prep, but then again, uh, someone has to go, go driving. I want to thank everybody for joining us live in my motorhome. Um, I even got a dust bunny. Sitting in a Yamaha hat. Oh, wait, I'll be right back. Ah. I got my bunny here. So I did have a co-host this whole show. <laughs> so anyways, from the road, I will uh, see you guys out on the trail. Cheers.